0: Welcome to True Nature Radio. I'm Lori Regan.
1: And I'm Heiner Fruhoff.
0: We're thrilled this week, deliciously thrilled, to have Sally Fallon Morell um, with us this week to talk about her really uh, deep understanding of nutrition. Sally's the author of a number of books, including Nourishing Traditions. It's a cookbook called The Cookbook that challenges politically correct nutrition and the Diet Dictocrats, which she wrote with Mary Enig. And um, she's also the founding president of the nonprofit Weston A. Price Foundation, editor of Wise Traditions, which is the foundation's journal, comes out quarterly. And she's also the founder of a a campaign for real milk, um, in which she's promoting the ability for us to have access to clean, whole, raw milk from pasture-fed cows. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're very pleased to have you here. Why don't we start off by talking about how you first got interested in this whole field. How (laughs) was it that you got interested in nutrition, nourishment, and maybe specifically Western Price's work?
2: Well, I, I can't name a date. I have always been interested in food. My parents were foodies, and I've always loved to cook. So that goes way, way back, even when I was a child. Uh, I think I really was set on this path, however, in the early 1970s when I read Dr. Price's book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, and that was one of those life-turning moments for me, and I was starting out at that time with my young family, and I ended up having four children, and I just applied this diet to, to, or I applied Dr. Price's principles to their diets. And in the teeth of the growing insistence that we should be on low-fat diets, I fed my kids butter and cream, and we had plenty of meat, lots of eggs, egg yolks, uh, some organ meats in the diet, and uh, raw dairy when I could get it. And in my last two children, I was able to get cod liver oil and um, took cod liver oil. So I, I can tell you that this diet really works. My children were so much healthier than I was. I needed braces and glasses, my children didn't need braces, and their glasses prescriptions were much less strong than mine was, so we're on the right track there. Uh, They were just just never sick, and that's what um, urges me on. Um, We have such a crisis today with our children who are sick all the time, very often with very intractable conditions. And um, people need this information about uh, what actually constitutes a healthy diet.
1: Sally, we've uh, been sort of dedicating the show to the concept of uh, traditions in natural healthcare because even natural medicine traditions nowadays they orient themselves at uh, laboratory research nowadays, and we feel very strongly that sort of a common sense approach to healthcare. Uh, And that, of course, includes herbal and nutritional approaches is important. And you've been a pioneer there to show people that what our ancestors did uh, makes a lot of sense. And particularly uh, in the areas of using fats, something that has been maligned in modern times as something that is evil. And can you enlighten us a little bit more about uh, the importance of uh, fats and other nutrients.
2: Yes. Uh, first, let me say that I think it's such a good point that, you know, we have this dichotomy between nutrition, uh, excuse me, between tradition, which was considered something intuitive, non-scientific, even superstitious, and then science, where everything has to be proven in a in a study or in the laboratory, and I think we need something from column A and something from column b we We need them both, and our mission statement at the Weston A Price Foundation is the um, scientific validation of traditional wisdom. So we look at what Dr. Price discovered about the eating habits of traditional people. We look at what others have discovered. And then we say, is this validated by science? And if the two go hand in hand, then we're, we're pretty confident that this is something that's correct and right for human beings. Now one thing we have seen um, science in quotation marks urging us on is to avoid animal fats and avoid saturated fats. And people don't realize that this is not science. It's an agenda that has bastardized the science. And that when you really look at the science, we find that these saturated fats do not cause heart disease, do not cause all of these health problems, and are actually very important in our diet. And that's exactly what we find among traditional peoples. Uh, wherever you go, they wanted fat animals. If they killed an animal that was too lean, they threw it away. And in particular, they didn't eat lean meat. They wanted the, the fat of the bird. They wanted fat birds. They saved the fat of the mammals that they killed and spread the lean meat with the fat when they ate the lean meat. So there was a tremendous appreciation for the role of fats in these traditional cultures. And if you look carefully at the science, you find that this is validated by the science. And I think the number one underlying reason for all these health problems that we're seeing today, uh, growth problems, uh, asthma allergies, um, and learning problems, you know, speech problems, I mean, uh, just all the things that are making family life so miserable for people today. I think the number one cause is the avoidance of these good fats because the good fats provide structural material for the brain and they also provide vitamins that are critical for um, building a healthy brain.
0: So Sally, I know that um, it's your co-author, Mary Enig, who is a PhD in lipid biochemistry. who actually did a lot of the um, leading research showing that the problem with fats tends to be the trans fats and I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit more, even though that's her research, you're very well aware of it, if you could give our listeners just a little bit more background about this idea of which fats are bad and which ones are good and which ones should people not be afraid to put back into their diet.
2: (laughs) Yes, Dr. Enig was the first scientist to warn the public about the dangers of trans fats. Uh, because of what she did, she was ostracized by her profession. She was blacklisted. She never got any government research money and she was a brilliant researcher. Her thesis in, at university showed that the trans fats interfere with an enzyme system. It's called the cytochrome P450 enzyme system, which is a very important enzyme system for many things that happen in the body. Uh, so on her own, uh, since she didn't get any, you know, research grants, she, um, just compiled the information. She was indefatigable in talking to people in the industry about the dangers of trans fats. And finally, uh, she was listened to, and even our government now admits that trans fats are dangerous at any level. Uh, but then they go on to say they're just as bad as saturated fats, whereas Mary Ennig had shown that the saturated fats have the opposite and good effect from the trans fats, and we don't need to be afraid of the saturated fats in any way. So um, it is true that the amount of trans in the food supply has been cut back. The food industry has figured out ways to make a solid fat out of a liquid vegetable oil that doesn't involve as much trans fats, but all of the industrial oils are bad news, whether they're liquid or hydrogenated to make uh, trans fats.
1: It, uh, by the way, makes... Perfect sense. This discussion about the fats from a perspective of several of the shows we had earlier, where we were re- trying to investigate uh, what it really is holistic medicine, and at least in the Chinese medicine context, we concluded that it was not so much a preoccupation with matter and biochemistry, but was this idea that uh, energy and consciousness uh, are components that was very important uh, to the ancients and uh, or in Chinese medicine called Yang Qi meaning the energy content in a human body or in a food and when it comes to fat of course it is like if you have a handful of fat uh, versus a handful of potatoes etc There is this, uh, I mean, quite literally, you can take that fat and light it on fire. So there is this uh, (laughs) tremendous amount of energy uh, in fat, uh, and uh, energy is also light, uh, which uh, when it comes to consciousness and brain development or so, makes complete sense. Something that my patients are always worried about is this relationship we've been so brainwashed over the last decades that fat equals cholesterol, and cholesterol is bad. And, you know, first it was like it needed to be in the 300s to be called bad, but now it's like people say you should be below 150 or even lower than that, and everybody should be put on statin drugs. What is your uh, opinion about that?
2: This focus, this fetish with cholesterol, has led us down the wrong path in medicine and in nutrition and just like saturated fats which by the way warm-blooded mammals like humans need saturated fats in their body Uh, otherwise their bodies would be kind of limp you need saturated fats for structural integrity and the same thing with cholesterol you need cholesterol for the structural integrity and of, of your cell membranes and to make them waterproof so you can actually have Chemical reactions going on in your body. And the fact that we have made an enemy out of cholesterol shows us just how far wrong our so called science has taken us. And it makes you wonder whether you can believe anything anyone from the scientific community is saying. Because when they demonize cholesterol, it's like they're demonizing, uh, you know, life itself. Uh, mammalian life, animal life, cannot exist without cholesterol. And it's so obvious that this is all about marketing, marketing these very expensive and extremely dangerous drugs. And because so many people have resisted them and they haven't reached the sales figures that they want, they're now targeting children to take these drugs. And this, the results of this are going to be catastrophic because children need cholesterol for growth and development. Also, these uh, low, these cholesterol-lowering drugs cause horrific birth defects. And yet with all of this you know, very aggressive marketing, you're going to end up with pregnant women taking them. Yeah. So I, I think I've digressed a little, but I, I just wanted to say about the fats. Um, the saturated fats are the fats with the most hydrogen in them. And hydrogen is really the fuel of the body. And uh, so, yes, I would agree. The most energetic food is fat, and the most energetic fat is saturated fat.
0: Yes, yeah, Sally. So, I'd like to add in a little bit about the cholesterol. Because I, I think my experience as a naturopath is that what very many well meaning medical doctors um, have put people on the drugs because. They know the research on the deposition of cholesterol in the arteries and thinking that that's the problem. But what actually is is happening in that phenomenon is that there's another or several different mechanisms that are causing damage to the lining of the blood vessels, and cholesterol is sent there as like a patch. The body is sending yeah. cholesterol there in a positive way. It's something we talk on the show a lot about. The body has its own wisdom, it has its own um, intelligence, and to try to cut off cholesterol is like if there's a f- it, yeah, if there's a fire somewhere, it's like saying, well, if you if you prevent the fire truck from going to put out that fire, then the people who are en route to that fire no longer think there's a problem.
2: Yeah, that's right. And you know, the the same with with um, stress hormones. Stress hormones are made out of cholesterol. Right. And when we're under a lot of stress, the body makes more cholesterol. So you can make stress hormones and deal with the stress. And when they put people on these cholesterol-lowering drugs, they very often can't deal with stress.
0: Exactly. And and people should be aware as well, right, that steroid hormones, so the sex hormones Mm -hmm. have cholesterol as their foundation as well. So if you prevent cholesterol from building up in the body, you're also preventing the full... um, Production yeah. of estrogen, yeah. testosterone, progesterone, all those. Exactly. And
2: these are feel-good chemicals, by the way. So it's not just, the, you know, reproduction that they're involved in, but just in a feeling of well-being. Right. I wanted to say about the plaque in the arteries, most of the plaque in the arteries is not cholesterol, right. but calcium. And that calcium builds up into hard black plaque, and that's why it's called hardening of the arteries. And yet nobody is telling people not to uh, consume calcium-rich foods. In fact, they're told to drink skim milk, you know, loaded with calcium. Um, and and the, you know why? Because the reason is because the dairy industry in this country is very powerful. It, it has nothing to do with science. It has everything to do with political influence.
0: Yeah. So let's talk along that track, because one of the things you've also really been educating people about is milk. And dairy. And that traditionally people always had raw milk, had raw milk products and did very well on them. And these days there's a big campaign to have people drinking pasteurized milk in high quantities that actually is supplemented with fairly high levels in some cases of vitamin D and vitamin or in calcium. So how about some more discussion
2: about that? (laughs) Okay. We were talking about energy and food, and I don't know if you're aware of the work of Wilhelm Reich, who measured something called organ energy. Sure. And the most energetic food that he measured was raw milk. Uh, it was at 100 plus, and the next food was at about 50. So it's an extremely energetic food. Uh, it's a very fragile food with uh, dozens of very complex enzymes in it and these enzymes fight pathogens uh, build a healthy gut wall help you absorb 100% of the nutrients in the milk and the, the one drawback is that they are very fragile and they are compromised or even completely ruined by normal pasteurization and you know most milk today is ultra pasteurized all the organic milk is ultra pasteurized and that completely wipes out any any life in the milk whatsoever.
1: And we should probably also add for our listeners here that it's not just the processes of pasteurization and homogenization uh, that uh, denature the milk and make it hard to uh, be absorbed and possibly then cause all of the allergic reactions associated with it, but that very importantly also the... There's a big difference uh, in pasture, uh, milk from pasture-raised cows and goats and if they are, as is often the case in this country, uh, if being fed grains, especially corn. Uh, can you confirm that or explain a little yeah. more about that? Yeah,
2: corn and soy. Uh, the cow is um, a perfect machine, so to speak, for digesting grass. That's what they're designed to digest. Now, I will say this: the dairy cow is a little bit of a hot house animal, and may need a little, a little bit of grain. And this would um, mimic what she get, gets in the field, actually, in ripe, you know, ripe grasses. But um, she's given GMO corn, GMO soy, and these are. I can say literally these are gut-wrenching feed for the cow. And the funny proteins are going to come through into her milk and make the milk. That's another source of allergenicity in the modern milk. And, of course, they're raised in horrendous conditions in factories. Um, You know, never go outside, always with a lot of filth and manure.
0: So you've traveled around a lot talking about these ideas, trying to educate many people about these so that they can really live in a more healthy way. Can you talk about some anecdotal stories that you've encountered of people who have made a transition from having pasteurized milk to having whole milk? I mean, sorry, raw whole milk?
2: Yes. Um, i just give you two that I heard just recently. One was a mother who's one of her children was uh, born and covered from head to toe with terrible eczema. As she had to hold the baby to her to just even get him to settle down, and he was obviously poor thing was suffering. And she put him on raw milk and also cod liver oil. And the eczema, by two months, the eczema was completely gone. Uh, another had a child who had very severe asthma. The child was not growing. This is because the asthma medications have a side effect of suppressing growth and lowering bone density. So this poor old child was, you know, not growing, very frail, and very sick all the time. And she put him on raw milk, and the asthma completely disappeared. And now the boy is six feet tall and a star athlete. Uh, These are the kinds of stories that make what I call passionate moms. And, you know, when the government keeps insisting that there's no benefit from raw milk, we end up not believing a word they say because we know that there's a benefit. And many, many parents have had uh, this kind of experience. Another thing that we often hear about is just an improvement in the child's behavior. Uh, They put them on raw milk and the children settle down. They're uh, easier to deal with. They, They do better in school and so forth.
1: When it comes in the choosing of healthy fats, other than promoting the benefits of the raw milk and uh, other animal products, you've also spent a lot of time and effort to promote uh, the benefits of coconut oil. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Well, coconut oil is is one of these demonized fats because coconut oil competed with the industrial seed oils. And it turns out that coconut oil is very rich in what's called medium-chain triglycerides, which have some unique properties. First of all, they strengthen the immune system. They are involved in intracellular communication, so it would be very good for cancer patients. But I think for most people the most interesting thing about the fats in coconut oil is that they are not put into fat in the body. They are used for quick energy. And uh so people uh, who eat coconut oil tend to have more energy and it helps them lose weight
1: yeah, and for our listeners, we want to point out that uh Sally has again with dr Einig, uh written a book about the uh weight loss properties of coconut oil specifically
2: yes yeah we and that book uh has been surprisingly has done surprisingly well. With, without much uh, marketing or anything it has it has a following so to speak.
0: And we should tell our listeners that the title of that book is Eat Fat, Lose Fat so um, you know you got, if it's okay with you guys I want to go back a little bit to talk about milk again because I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that are saying boy my boy <laughs> my girl <laughs> has that problem with asthma or eczema but how can I be sure that if I even can find a source of raw milk, which might be hard for some people, how can I be sure that that's not going to be contaminated, say, with listeria or some other bacteria? I think that's a lot of people's worry, and that, that's the, what's communicated about why milk is pasteurized. Can you give us some more background and give some moms and dads out there some, yeah. some good information? Well, I think
2: the real question is how can we be sure that any food is not contaminated? You can get sick from any food, including pasteurized milk. In fact, in 2007, pasteurized milk caused three deaths. We have been following raw milk, you know, back in the published literature and as far back as the 1980s, there are no deaths caused by raw milk. There are some illnesses associated with raw milk, but the rate is minuscule. It's 42 per year in a population of 9 million people that drink raw milk. So you can do the math. That's point zero 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 four four percent No other food is so safe as raw milk. And that's because raw milk contains these antimicrobial components that kill pathogens. You put a load of pathogens in raw milk, and over time they will go away because raw milk kills pathogens. By the way, listeria... Uh, um, We had to get this information through a Freedom of Information request, but there have been no cases of listeria in uh, raw milk, fluid milk, as far back as we can go in the records. Listeria is the really deadly one. And you do find it in raw milk cheeses, but not in fluid raw milk.
1: Sally, um, other than the fats, uh, what kind of other types of nutrients or foods uh, have you found uh, that are particularly beneficial for the human body, and that show up a lot in traditional diets, but are virtually absent in the in in, in what modern people eat?
2: Well, th- we have three other themes, so to speak. One is the healing benefits of bone broth, so the you know traditional chicken soup or beef broth or fish broth made with fish bones. Uh, These are uh, amazing foods, especially good for digestive disorders and found in every traditional uh, culture in the world. Uh, Secondly would be lacto-fermented foods, the traditionally made pickles or sauerkraut, which we find throughout Asia and really you find... lacto-fermented foods everywhere among traditional cultures. And these provide, they, they support digestion, but most importantly, they provide friendly bacteria for our digestive tracts. They're, they're nature's, or the traditional probiotic, so to speak. And finally, um, we, uh, many cultures use grains. Now, grains have gotten kind of a bad rap recently, but what we find is that in most cultures, these grains are prepared by a fermentation process, soaking or sourdough. Uh, or sprouting, uh, to get rid of all of the anti-nutrients that are in grains. So in addition to the good fats and the raw milk, (coughs) those are three other themes that we promote.
0: So, and are there general sources of getting, like how would you lead um, our typical listener to be able to access sources of, um, for example, (coughs) the lacto-fermented foods?
2: Uh, well, first of all, go to our website, westonaprice.org and spend some time on the website. I think there's a tab there that says Find Healthy Food. <clears throat> uh, the main way you find them is contact your nearest local chapter. We have over 500 ch- chapters in the United States. And you find your nearest local chapter, and each chapter keeps a food resource list where you can find these foods uh, close to home. So where to find raw milk, where to find grass-fed animal products, where can you get lacto-fermented foods, et cetera. Now, um, many of these chapters also put on cooking classes or potlucks, so you can learn from, from others how to make these foods.
0: So, Sally, um, we've just about reached the time of the show, but one of the things that we'd love for our um, listeners to get a basic introduction to is, is what we've referred to, as the Western Price um, Foundation. Who was he and what's the importance of the research that he did?
2: Okay, so Western Price was a dentist who studied traditional cultures in the 20s and 30s uh, and 40s to answer the question what is a healthy diet? He was actually looking at their teeth and if they had healthy teeth, that is, no cavities and naturally straight teeth in every member of the tribe. He then looked at their diets. He reckoned that they were eating a healthy diet. Now the diets were all very different, uh, depending on what part of the world they were in. But one thing that was underlying, you know, uh, quality to all these diets, they were very high in vitamins and minerals, and especially the vitamins that we get from organ meats and animal fats. So once again, this is the great emphasis on grass-fed animal fats. The There will be much higher levels in the grass-fed fats. And in foods like liver, uh, cod liver oil, uh, egg yolks, butter fats, these are really very high nutrient-dense foods.
0: Fabulous. So you've given us a lot in our readers, a lot of, or listeners rather, (laughs) Um, a lot of really good practical information about ways to start thinking about food and also a connection with your books and a connection with the website. So we really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you very much.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. And thanks for, you know, um, a, a really nice interview. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, great.
2: That's it for today. I'm Lori Regan.
1: And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. Sally Fallon Morrell is the founding president of the nonprofit Weston A. Price Foundation, and author of nourishing traditions the cookbook that challenges politically correct nutrition and the diet dictocrats it's a wonderful cookbook that has recipes very practically oriented on one side and the research that supports is the supporting science behind the traditional recipe and as always if you are interested in pursuing a career In natural medicine, go to the website of the National College of Natural Medicine, ncnm.edu. And if you're specifically interested in the theory surrounding classical Chinese medicine, other than checking out the classical Chinese medicine program at NCNM, go to classicalchinesemedicine.org. And if you like to browse on the web about more teachings and information of the kind that Sally provided for us here, go to westonaprize.org. <music>